Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. What were we thinking? We're going up against Negrano in Polk tonight. Heads up challenge. How are we supposed to pull viewers away from that, Brian? I just saw that from Dave Clark in the YouTube chat. Uh, I didn't. I knew they were playing today. I, what are you going to do? I guess. Yeah, that was also another one. You know, before all the election stuff, that everyone was getting all of their action down uh, on that heads up challenge. I think most. I saw most of the sharps were getting. Polk booking him four to one, and then it had moved to like five to one, and people were still still grabbing that. I mean, you, you used to play a ton of poker, 25,000 hands. Is that a big enough sample size for the best player to, to normally win? I think so. Yeah, probably. Heads up, that could go pretty quick, I guess. Yeah. Um, I, think, I think I would get like 50,000 hands a month in. I can't even remember. It's been so long. Yeah. Um. Certainly a bigger live too. Is that what I read today? So I think they brokered some kind of arrangement where they're doing X amount of hands, the first set live just to kind of kick off the challenge and poker go is streaming it. And then I believe it's then going back to, to online predominantly for the rest of it. Oh, okay. Yeah. Whatever. I think that, yeah. I mean, how, how many hours of live play would be insane. Yeah. yeah. Fantasy Sharpie. Pete looks like he's been sitting at his computer all day. I have. I am. Leg- I, I can't. I can't uh, hide. I just got to put my cards on the table here. I'm exhausted. Uh, but we have a good show tonight. We're going to talk about some of the uh, election betting market fallout from last night. We had some crazy movements, lots of action going around. Lots of people. Last night on Twitter, Brian felt like that. Uh, you know, the Nick Young gif where he chucks the three and turns around and starts like that. Every tweet seemed like that last night. Yeah, it did. It did that. Yeah. That, that's exactly what that election uh, results basically was like too. Cause I went to bed. I didn't stay up like you. I'm like, whatever, I'm going to bed. And I think Trump was like minus 300 or something. Whoa, you went to bed early. If you went to bed at minus 300 Trump. Yeah. Yeah. What, what time would that have been? It maybe it was a little lower than that, but okay. I mean, that had to have been around what, like eleven? Yeah, or? something like that. Yeah, eleven, twelve. Maybe he was dropping at the end there, but like it was right where he tapered off there for a couple hours. Did, um, but did what, when you, did it, I thought it didn't change till this morning at like four in the morning or something. I guess I'm having a hard time. I mean, it you know seesawed all yeah. the because he was up to like wasn't Trump up to like minus five or minus six hundred at one point there. 930 yeah. or 10. Yeah. And it really depended on where you were looking to. 
Yeah. So the 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 thing I want answered, and hopefully some of these sports betting guys can can uh, get can get a bookmaker on their podcast and explain how they do it, is how how they decided how how their live live line movements worked during the election, and you know maybe the whole thing from pre-election up to the live line movements. But I, it'd be interesting to see because. For, for people who don't know, like a regular sports betting market, the common um, thought is that money moves the market. So if a bunch of money goes on one team, they move the line right. towards that team. And that's not how it works. They profile betters and they profile sharp professional sports betters and then move the lines based on what they do. So they'll be lopsided on lines, super heavy, just so they don't get hit by sharp betters. And then there's a market leader who then sets the line and then they copy it. And then like the retail books like Bovada just copy whenever they move, they, they follow suit. But for the, po- for the uh, political markets, there isn't like, who's the, who are they going to profile? Cause like even the, the pros like uh, Rufus Peabody on his podcast, he says he just uses Nate Silver for the most yeah. So, like, if everyone's copying Nate Silver, um, you know, maybe they have some guys that they can profile. I don't know. Like, so it'd be really interesting to see how how they set those live lines and move around like they did because they were all over the place. I mean, I guess they weren't all over the place. They were just directionally changing dramatically. And then, um, uh, you know, I don't I I, I guess I would think they're just guessing. They're just, they got some guys there and money's coming in. Like, well, let's move it. Yeah. Well, I heard you, I saw you on Twitter. You had made kind of an analogy to ownership uh, in DFS. And I thought that was interesting too, because don't we see with ownership a lot of times that there's almost this self-fulfilling prophecy element to it, where someone says, this guy's going to be this percentage owned. And then everyone kind of takes that as gospel. And it's like, oh, this. And so you can see steam on ownership happen just like once it's being discussed. Like, do you think that could have happened with this market where a little bit of line movement and because gamblers and DFS players and poker players or whatever are used to reacting to that movement, that they might've been overweighting that movement relative to the actual information that was powering it? Yeah, that's that's what I think happened too, is when Florida came in, I think there was a lot of skepticism that the polls were right. And it turns out in my opinion and we could go over that that they were they were they were pretty wrong. They were wrong like directionally across every state in one way. Um, and these markets are correlated so maybe that is kind of a function of this. But I thought especially Nate Silver he didn't that wasn't that good even though Trump's going to lose here. He just overall, I think it was a pretty poor showing. And I think if Trump would have won, I think Nate Silver might be out of a job, honestly, or something would have happened to him. Um, what's your What's your thought on that? Because you know, I, I've seen every you know someone in the chat. Nate Silver's getting roasted last night. He was taking it like it, his information is only as good as the polls, right? Like, and he's just trying to use that information to draw correlations to extrapolate. So if the polls are inherently really unreliable why is he getting slammed so hard um yeah that that's i think because there's a misconception that he's like a modeler (laughs) right 
So like he's not a pollster. He's not a modeling pollster. Like he's not like like some of the ones that we used in Illinois, Edelstein List and stuff like that when I used to be there. Like these guys are doing their own databases and modeling and figuring out what questions to ask. And there's a whole huge process to it. And he's he's like RBX 88. You know, maybe like he's a step above that. But he's really just taking Osimo's polls and whatever's, you know, and Fantasy Labs polls, et cetera, et cetera. A better analogy for that, Brian. <laughs> and then and aggregating them. Right. But that's where his modeling comes in is like is is trying to read all those different polls. So that is a model, but it's not like you're only good with the, the, the data you're getting. You know, I guess any modeler is. But this is kind of weird because he's depending on someone else's modeling abilities. And so it, lo- it looks like clearly that the, the modelers in the last, I don't know, people, a lot of people keep saying that in 2018 he was good, too. But he wasn't even that good in 2018 in the midterms. He missed a lot of local um local states again in one direction um so i don't i mean i mean i like nate silver i i i read his book when it came out you know he's right up our alley for everybody he used to be play poker uh pakota stats baseball stats nerd you know all those sorts of things but he didn't like, hear uh, that it's nerd bash 2020 though <laughs> <laughs> he's just another victim caught in the wake he got saved though he got saved here in the morning uh, otherwise, it would have been real bad for him. So um, Jordan Jordan in the chat had this one. Do you think that they move uh, – he's t- back talking about the betting markets. Do you think that they just move based on action, but they overprice it quickly so they don't get caught with their pants down on a big, sharper bet? Yeah, I don't I don't know. Like that, That's what I want, Jordan, answered. Um, hopefully, you know, like um, Spanky and Be Better Better podcast, he, he gets – these guys on his podcast. So hopefully he can get one of them on and see if they'll answer what they do, what they did for this. And if we can figure it out or, you know, listen to that podcast when a whole bunch of other people don't, you could make, you could probably make a ton of money on some of these upcoming elections. It's probably not going to be like this again, but it should, Hey, it might, it might again, who knows? Um, But that's exactly what I think they do. I think they're just fucking guessing. Yeah. I think they're, they're, they're like, oh shit, Trump had a big move in Florida. We just got, we just got five hundred thousand on Trump. And that bump, change it, change it, and then and then they see that change, and then there's correlated to Georgia. So then people start hitting Georgia. They're like, now we're getting hit in Georgia. Let's just change it, change it, right? And, so what? They probably made out though. How did you? So when you saw that, and I, I don't know if you were doing any of the live betting on that, but I know you like for your process in general and over the years, like you rely a lot on these books and sharp line movement to kind of dictate and inform your own modeling and projections. When you saw that swing so quickly and so fast in Trump's favor, and you saw a ton of sharp people who were trying to get action down on that because they thought it was a plus EV spot or whatever. What, what was your thought? Cause I feel like you're kind of reconciling those two things of like, is this bullshit or like, do we trust in an, an efficient market hypothesis kind of thing? Well, I thought, I thought the polls were wrong. I did yeah. not think he was 90% favorite. So I was going in there, but honestly I didn't have the balls. Cause it seemed like a whole bunch of sharp people were just sticking with Biden pre-election. And so I didn't, I didn't bet him pre. Um, but I, I, in my head, I just went over what I said earlier is like, they don't can't profile any election betters. I don't think 
So like these can't be efficient and they're getting a ton of money on them. And there are, there are spots like in the NCAA tournament and the Super Bowl where they don't do the profiling as much because there's just so much money. They're just trying to get their margins right. Um, and they got a ton of money on this election. So uh, as soon as um, as soon as Florida started to change, I bet Florida, Georgia, North Carolina, Arizona, and Texas. Is this one of your $2.23 bets because you got limited? No, this is on Bovada because the <laughs> okay. Americans don't have it. Don't have election uh, betting, at least that, none that I saw, right? Otherwise, I, I would have. <laughs> they, they haven't they haven't limited me on uh, the on Bovada, too, which is hilarious because they're known for limiting people. That would like, be a new fun angle for Trump to call fraud if he was saying the big sports bettors, uh, you know, uh, through the election to uh, to win their bets on a re- regulated American sports books. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I guess it's a good thing they didn't they didn't have any uh, lines up. Um, so so I got in there on those states right as soon as they started moving because my my thought was uh, these polls were, were bullshit. I knew that I knew I knew they were bullshit. I should have bet. So uh, I lost Arizona, um, North Carolina. Looks like he's gonna win, uh, but all the other ones I won. Um, with pretty good, I got it. I got I got it in pretty good. Yeah. Before before it started going, you know, pretty hard. Um. Yeah. Again, JP, I I think they're. I could be. I'm totally. I could be totally wrong here. I think they were legitimately guessing. They were just three or four guys in the bookmaker or Pinnacle or Bovada, and they weren't like. They were probably looking at each other's lines a little bit here and there, but they were. I think they were just guessing based on the money coming in and their, the live TV or whatever feeds they had. Um, I mean, especially like with the results today, how could you? And I, I don't know. I, I, I think they were they were guessing, and I don't think they had any any way to profile it. What's so fun? What was so crazy about that is I feel like we see the phenomenon on Twitter with lots of things, right? Like the knee jerk reactions, the overreactions. And a lot of times, you know, or you see people like overreacting to a piece of news as it might relate to an NFL line. And then you go look at a really efficient NFL spread line and like, okay, the spread hasn't even moved at all. You know, and everyone's freaking out about weather or an injury or whatever. And it's like, no, this doesn't even have an effect. But this was that weird thing where the like freak out on Twitter was matching the absurd swing in the betting markets. And it was like, there was nothing to anchor us in reality other than people understanding how these ballots were always going to be counted. Well, it, it I think it was the difference between the polls and, and of the swing States. Ohio was another one. I don't think I bet Ohio. I guess I should have. Oh, Ohio, Ohio, um, all the states I mentioned, Ohio, North Carolina, Florida, uh, Georgia, Texas, he was favored in, but only by like a point. Um, in Arizona, he was like a dog. He ended up, he ended up losing that. So like, once you start seeing all those, all those states are wrong, you know, how correlated are they to the Rust Belt? And he just, he just didn't have it, but I mean, it's damn close. Uh, Wisconsin's twenty thousand votes different right now. Um, Mich- this is the last I checked. I don't know what they are now, but uh, but they had like ninety nine percent reporting twenty thousand different. Michigan was a hundred thousand difference, and I think he's still up in Pennsylvania, uh, but don't quote me on that. I haven't I haven't really looked. So like that's it's such a dramatic difference. 
difference. It's kind of like how I told you I want to bet MMA sometimes, like if we're, we're watching and just have all the live, the live lines up. And it's because you, it seems like you can tell in the first 10 seconds who's going to win that fight. Yeah. And then hammer that live line after the 10 seconds. Yeah. You know what I mean? And like it, it felt like that kind of situation. Um, but even even if you, if you add more into it, that there's there's no sharp players to profile, and the best pollster, quote unquote, was is looking like he's gonna be wrong again. You know what I mean? You add all that in, and I can understand why people were just shoving money in there, and the the, the odds makers reacted. So is there like so from if you? I don't I don't know enough about how polling data works and like what like for you when you're trying to solve or work on your you know DFS projections like you're looking at what kind of stuff correlates what or what has a strong R you know as something that can point to a, a correlation there like how have why are the polls so broken why is that process so broken why haven't we triangulated a few set of data points that have a pretty strong signal uh, I've, I have no idea, but like, I mean, I have guesses, but obviously I, I don't know. I think like since social media started, it's, they become pretty, pretty useless or, and that certainly not. So I, I've talked to some politicians here in Illinois occasionally, and I asked them that same question. And, and really part of the answer is they have nothing else. What else are they going to do to, to decide where to put their money into which district that needs help and needs advertising and stuff like that. There's not, uh, they don't really have a lot of, a lot of options. Uh, A betting market, a legal betting market would actually give them a ton of feedback. Right. Because it would be the most immediate. From the start, uh, it would be a lot more predictive, especially if it got bigger and bigger and the sports books can profile the smarter, the smarter betters. Yeah. Um, And uh, you know, the, the, this, uh, not to get, political here but then a lot of the pollsters i was listening to said there's like this big shy trump voter um uh is this the extension of the the silent majority thing um no shy trump voters more like um they're they don't want to say they're voting for trump because like they're uh either a embarrassed or b like they don't want to get in a fight or um like they don't want their name on a list or something like that you know what i mean like like they they wouldn't go into work if they worked for a corporation and said, "Hey, I'm a big Trump fan for fear of retribution or something like that," and um, so that the polls can't capture that. And um, I mean, I, one way or another, they're wrong. Here's another thing I wanted to kind of point out with my tweet about this po- about polling and modeling. Like, it's not the same exact thing as modeling like a sporting event, right? Where you know, like a football game, these big guys are crunching into each other. A football can hit the ground and it's oblong and can bounce up a whole bunch of different ways. There's wind and, you know, injuries. A guy, the Pat Mahomes could get hurt. Like whatever was going to happen on that election day was going to happen, right? Of course, somebody could get sick. Like if you replayed the universe over and over again in a football game, the, the Chiefs are favored, you know, let's say the money line is 67%. They're probably going to win around 67% in this universe coming over and over again, right? And Pat Mahomes will get hurt one in a hundred of those simulations. But in election, that's not what's going to happen. The, let's just say Trump loses here. Trump was going to lose every single time. You know, there might, you know, there could be, maybe you could give me some like, 
like some huge earthquake or something. I was just going to say a, a Dos Ex Machina event yeah. during the election. Yeah, yeah. So I feel like if you're in, in, in my analogy of DFS ownership too, is I think spot on, like that's what you're, you're, you're guessing what uh, people are going to like. And if you're way off. And so like my example of, if you just pick two players, like in, in MMA, right? MMA is a good example. So like if you have two fighters, they're fighting against each other. Right. And you have one projected at 50% ownership and one projected at 5% ownership. Right. And it turns out that they're 20, 27, 27, like your ownership's wrong. That's not variance. You're doing it wrong. You know what I'm saying? And so like that's, that was proportional to eight to 90, 10, which is what Nate Silver had. Um, and that, that and, and so like the argument of, oh, well, there's a disparate of uh, variation of outcomes in sporting events. You just don't understand probabilities. It's like, that doesn't apply here. I don't think. I think because you, if you replayed this simulation over and over and over again, 99 out of 100 times is what happened is going to happen. People aren't like, you know, a ball, an oblong ball bouncing on the ground on their way to the voting booth, right? Like there, it's there's there's a lot. There's the golf ball is not going to get caught by a gust of wind. Yeah. And Although, isn't the what you're describing is actually what? the Trump administration is now claiming with the fraud, they're claiming this one out of a hundred event with votes getting dumped in places or whatever they're claiming. Like that's what they're claiming is that, <laughs> that this one out of a hundred event just happened to them on this election. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> I guess, I don't know what they're claiming. All I saw was uh, that he's ordered a recount in Wisconsin. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I think it's from what I've saw is it's uh electioneering more than fraud and like i think those are two different things like fraud is like you know writing down a few names where electioneering is like the whole the whole system of some small uh area of a state is is like actually conspiring <laughs> against you know the other party and Jordan had said in the chat earlier, polling only has uh, around a 5% response rate now. So you have to figure it's tough to get a representative sample. It would almost, again, maybe I'm forcing it, but like with your DFS analogy, it would be if you were trying to poll, you know, or for, to figure out ownership of who are you going to play this week, you know, and you only polled, let's just say uh, ETR subscribers or whatever. And it's like, okay, well, that, that might be a pretty... Uh, non-representative sample of the entire group of how they are going to, who they're going to roster in their contest. So, I mean, is it just a, could just be a huge sample size issue with the polling? Yeah, for, for sure. And there's like a problem with uh, women answer polls more frequently than men. Um, uh, it's tougher to, I think, to get rural people to answer the phone. Uh, they've added in texting and, and, and some other new things and they, and they combine it with some of the online polling to get a little more information. And, um, but I think it's, I think it's just, it's, it's just garbage now. I think it's, it's not predictive. It's not predictive enough, especially cause it's really expensive. So like for local elections, uh, polling is one of your biggest costs. And I've been telling these people for years, it's like, if it's not predictive, just, just save your money elsewhere, spend it on yard signs. I don't know. 
So if the thesis is, and obviously we have the benefit of hindsight now, but if the thesis is the polls are shitty, the betting markets were inefficient and perhaps, you know, moving based on things that shouldn't have moved them, where is the edge in betting into a market like that that isn't peer-to-peer? Well, the, the, the betting markets were sharper than the polls. Mm-hmm. They just move dramatically on election day. That's two different things. So, like, if Nate Silver had to take action and like live bet, like, who knows what the polls would look like? Uh, you know, obviously, he would have gotten crushed if he had to take bets. If he had to take bets on all of his states, and if you if you compare his final tally of each state to the ninety nine percent turned in states, he was directionally wrong on like every single state by at least one or two points. And so like, if you're wrong, I know these are correlated events here, but not all the States are totally correlated. You sh- like my ownership that I put up tonight, today for PGA tomorrow, I'm going to be wrong on, on, you know, everyone's probably going to be off a point or two, but like I'll be under on some and over on some and under on some and over on some, you know what I mean? That's you're, 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 you're not directionally wrong on everything. All right. Um, yeah, so like, even though in the event he won, he won, um, it's just, uh, I don't, I, I don't know what they're going to do anymore. I, I, <clears throat> there's a, still a lot of people though arguing that he did a good job. So Nick Barnes says, have you guys ever been pulled myself nor anyone I know has, I haven't been pulled. Hell, I haven't even gotten summoned for jury duty in my really? life. No. Well, you just jinxed yourself. So. I, I, yeah, seriously. Have I've you been pulled? I've been, I've had jury duty like three or four times. Um, I think I was pulled some years ago. I just get all the Democrat uh, text messages to come call for them. Yeah. Once you get on those lists, you're never getting off. Yeah. I know. I'm, I'm sure people infinitely smarter about this stuff has have thought about it, but I wonder there has to be a better way to get to get more reflective polling data i don't know whether it's yeah i i have no idea but it just seems like something that should be more achievable of getting better information yeah you figure they'd be able to they'd be able to do it i mean the whole thing is a disaster like you can you can you can keep your money you can access your money through a bank through a secure online bank account but this is how we do elections election voting the yeah. same way they did it 2000 years ago well another interesting thing uh, another example that i feel is kind of similar is the whole way that the nielsen ratings work right where you have this nielsen box that is then extrapolated you know the you know just select households have this and you know it's the same thing with nick nick's thing like i don't know anyone who has a nielsen box i don't know anyone who regularly you know, gives their data on what they're watching. And yet these Nielsen ratings are still like the gold standard. I I guess it's changing now a little bit with so many online streaming services. But for a while, that was like how people determine what the world was watching for the US. I went through the Gallup polls of like the past 60 years or something like that. They're on they're on Wikipedia or somewhere. And man, they were sharp. They were like within a point every year. Yeah. There was a couple couple outliers. I think Kennedy was one, maybe, and like you know, obviously the the story goes that the Chicago cheated for Kennedy, and that's why he won. So maybe the polls were actually right. Um, 
but like, yeah, it just started the last, I don't know, on and off probably last decade that it's gotten much worse. Probably because you can't you can't answer anybody. They should figure it out. See, this is part of the you know how the the market should figure this out. Like Nate Silver needs to pay a price, like or whoever I don't know. Maybe not Nate Silver. Maybe the pollsters that he's aggregating. Somebody needs to pay a price, and then once they do, there'll be competition coming in with newer and better ideas. Yeah, I I had to circle back to this comment from Alex Man in the chat. He's quoting you. You're never directionally wrong on everything. I think you underestimate me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, you could be directionally wrong, I guess, on everything. It's just a bad. It's just a bad look. What is your thought? One comment I keep seeing come up a lot, and and partly because I think there was a lot of action flying around last night. Like, what are your thoughts about peer to peer? sports betting. I mean, you had your tweet the other day about getting limited by that book in Illinois and how frustrating that is. You're having to bet on offshore markets just to get action down. Do you think if these states can't figure out regulating in a way that's still, you know, conducive for consumers, do you think peer-to-peer is kind of the future of that stuff? They'd have to regulate peer-to-peer too. I don't think you could start a peer-to-peer network and have it just consider it legal and like have your base in the city in Chicago. And I think that would be illegal. Yeah. I also don't think peer to peer sports betting is this utopia that most people, a lot of people think it is because what ends up happening in these peer to peer markets is it's kind of like the poker head to head markets, or I guess even the DFS head to head markets is just the sharps post their lines. So like you'd rather have it than not have it because it's an out that you can't get banned from, but it's, it's, it's usually way sharper because you just get, you know, Rufus Peabody posting all of his, all of his lines on there. You're not, you're not, you know, you're not, it's not going to be like you and some, some noob just as much as it's not like that on poker or DFS. Yeah, I'm assuming poker anymore. And then what would be the incentive for someone like that who does have a really sharp line of their own to give that information up publicly? Because somebody will take their line. On the bad side of it. Yeah. Yeah. Because they just offer, offer up what they're willing. And I haven't heard much about it recently. I mean, I know uh, the, the blockchain one, Augur, was one that people a while ago were pretty bullish on of being kind of like the future of this stuff. Obviously, you're unregulated. Uh, independent on the blockchain. Have you followed up on Augur at all? No, I haven't been into the the Bitcoin sports betting uh, much recently. Yeah, I did the old ones, um, CloudBet. Yeah, there's a couple of them. Nitrogen. I just I remember when I heard about it initially, and I think it was one of the Augur guys used some very like random example about like how it could work that seemed very cool. Where like if you were a farmer in Argentina and you set a line for how much rainfall there would be that year. And he knows like how much rain he needs to have like a good crop or whatever. And if he's worried about a bad rainfall, like he could set that line, take the other side of it as a hedge against his own kind of business operations and the expected amount he would earn based on how much rainfall he got. So I thought like use cases like that were pretty cool. That would be awesome. Yeah. Yeah. There's a white paper called a future archie, I believe by, uh, Robin Hansen, he's a professor at George. He's an economics professor at George Mason 
and he wrote um, Elephant in the Brain um, and some other books. I only read that one. And in and, and the, the white paper is converting all political uh, all political uh, or all, I guess, state state uh, jobs or state uh, whatever the state would do, turning that into a market. And so like you could bet on it. It's it, uh, I'm not explaining it very well, but it's it's a very brief like couple pages. Just Google Robin Hanson Futurarchy, and he wants to just turn everything into a into a market. Yeah. Turn the state turn the state into a market. Yeah, it's interesting, interesting stuff. Let's see, people in the chat here. Could you start some sort of escrow service? Carlos says your problem is counterparty risk. Um, I mean, and that's the that's the whole point of the blockchain and why it works better there because you're doing the, uh, the don't trust verify there as far as how that money is being held. And then those bets are being verified by a network of people on the auger chain. And similar to the Bitcoin, you would need mass collusion across all these different individuals on the auger network to not approve or reject uh, the outcome of a bet. I think that, I mean, I trust me, I love Bitcoin and Ethereum and the smart contracts and all that stuff. I think it's awesome. It's just hard, like, with, like, let's say you had DraftKings converted to a smart contract on Ether or something like that, right? So you just get all their proprietary. We're getting gas, gas instead of crowns now. <laughs> <laughs> and so let's just say somehow it works now on a decentralized network exactly the product they have now it's like how are you going to innovate and change and like if covid happens what are you going to do then and this new schedules and like like you need you need a staff and i think to your point i mean obviously dfs that game is so much more involved from an intricacy standpoint as opposed to just someone putting up a very simple yes or no bet or a simple line I think that's just easier for a group of people to validate through an easy Google search. Who won the election? Donald Trump or Joe Biden? Maybe it isn't that easy to Google right now. Bad example. But um, yeah, I think more complicated stuff would just be a nightmare in that environment. Right. I I mean, I saw like, um, like wills, some like simple contracts. You can like, those all make sense to me and you could eliminate entire industries, uh, with that type of stuff, but complying with like with local state law is the the, the, the state always fucks it up and gets in the way. Complying with like um, uh, my buddy's has has uh, a pretty big uh, whatever endowment or whatever. His, his old man passed away unfortunately, and and uh, he's it's it's like taking like a year to get the money, and they're still like denying him. Uh, oh, like the estate, the estate, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's just so many problems, and they take like a huge chunk of it too. But um, so what? like even, even those type of things, it's t- it's tough to pull off the decentralized world that yeah. a lot of people, me including, would love to have. Yeah, I meant to circle back on your your tweet for for people who don't know, you were getting limited. Was it at Bet Rivers? Yeah. Bet Rivers, you tried to make a $75 bet and were limited all the way down to like $2.53. You tagged, was it an Illinois representative? Yeah, he's he was he's kind of like the big champion of getting DFS passed. 
He's yeah. kind of the one who would always do interviews and stuff like that. And did he, did he uh, engage with your tweet at all? Yes. Did he, he re- retweeted it and DM me? Yeah. yeah. And what, what did he say? I'm on it. Tell me a little bitch. <laughs> uh, he called you a nerd. He said, nice. nerd bash 2020. Just bet he your 253 <laughs> and get off my lawn. He said, shut your lib mouth. You, <laughs> um, even though he's a Democrat. Uh, no, he said he's going to look into it. Actually, I can, I can look, I can look and see what he said. Uh, he asked what the company is, what kind of bet is it? And then I told him, uh, then he asked about that, that, um, what does it say in there? Uh, pending, like you can send in for approval. Yeah. And I said, yeah, that's fine. But like lines can change and you never know if they're going to accept you after you take a, you know, the line moves and then they just accept it. Right. If it moves in the other way. Um, uh, and then he says, he's going to ask the uh, legislative uh, LGB. What is, what is the G stand for? I know LRB is the legislative reference bureau. So one of the two I'm assuming. Um, and then you said you booked him some side action in the Osmo <laughs> challenge. What are the, what are the odds of that right now? Steve Steve Buzzer DM me. He goes, man, I was gonna I was gonna I was gonna bet you when you said uh, Alex was a dog after the first week. Oh, right. which side? Wait, which side did he want? He wanted he Alex. Wanted Alex. Yeah. What do you think? So he's up what forty thousand now? More than that, right? Oh, you're right. It was forty thousand was how much he won for second, and then he had another min cash in there, so it was probably fifty thousand. Yeah, something like that. Maybe more. Maybe a little more. So I mean, it's not over. Alex, what? It's not over. No, 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 it's not over at all. But I mean, Alex has to what? They have three more domes or four? Four. Four. So he probably I mean, needs he might not even play the last one if he can't win. I mean, there's really no point to it. True. So he probably needs what, like a couple top two or three finishes, depending on the exact price structure of these. The next yeah. four, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. He's so he's he's a dog. I mean, ten really isn't enough. They probably need to play like a hundred. Yeah. And in three different sports and stuff like that. I think it was more just for fun. Um. So that that the Bet Rivers thing really quick. So they. They didn't limit me in the beginning, and then they limited me down to like, um, occasionally, like two, three hundred or four hundred, but not always. It was weird because I remember the first one. I'm like, oh shit, they're fucking limiting me, and but then I'd bet another one, and it wouldn't be limited. So I kept getting that um, pending thing at yeah. like certain levels. So I would just start betting under that because I wanted to like fly under the radar. Yeah, I have no idea. I'm assuming it probably didn't help at all. But like, so they they would do it like around the 200. So I would just be like 150, 150, 150. This way they won't, I won't keep having to ask for approval. And then that eventually went down to like between 75 and 100, 125 maybe. And and then and then that was pretty much the lowest until that day. I put in a bunch of bets, and they all needed approval. It wouldn't let me bet a penny. So I'm like, what, whatever. I sent it in for approval. They approved some of them or something like that. And I was like, maybe I bet too many at once because I rarely do that. I usually just bet one 
go yeah. Click for the next one bet go so i just did one bet 75 dollars, and then it hit and then that popped up the two dollars and 53 cents it's crazy I'm like Fuck this yeah it's absurd and then um and have you now anytime you bet on there it's 253 or have you even tried uh has there been a game since then i don't think uh I don't think we'll see tomorrow yeah oh i've uh i've also been working the back the 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 the, the back connections i have here and uh from working in in politics or in, in with the state for for a few years so we'll see if i can pull some strings Blue Falcon Kid says, I'm limited on Bet Rivers too, and I'm a losing player on their site. <laughs> I'm sure they I'm sure that happens. It's that's just wild. Yeah. They don't they don't they it's Camby is their provider, which is a European odds provider. And I guess this is their standard practice. Um for DraftKings, it kind of makes sense to me a little bit because like they don't care. They just want like as many you know, people signed up and that, you know, their stock going up. Like they don't, I don't think they want to be bookmaker pinnacle circa. Yeah. You know, like that's not what they're going for. So for them, it makes, it makes sense to, to, to limit people. I haven't been betting on DraftKings very much because the odds are the exact same on bet rivers. And I kind of want to like save my outs. <clears throat> yeah. So we'll see how that goes. Um, if if this is indeed the end of Bet Rivers for me, but I'm assuming it's going the same way. What will suck is if I go over there and they and they and they cross match your information, and then just auto limit me. That'll be fucking bullshit. But we'll see. I mean, you know, I had that rant a couple shows ago. It's like, why is the state involved then? Why are you involved? All you're doing is guaranteeing your constituents will lose unless you unless you do something about it. Um, I don't see them doing anything real. I don't, yeah. I don't see that happening. We got people getting excited about the Masters. B. Thompson, will you guys have a Masters betting DFS strategy show next week despite P- hating PGA DFS? I don't hate PGA DFS. I suck at it. I will say, though, Brian, I back from – I forget what I was grinding, but I had a bunch of Millie Maker Masters tickets that I had won that it just popped up into uh, my account that I'm now eligible to redeem. So I, I think I have seven or eight Millie maker tickets. So I think I'm going to have to get in those streets and uh, you want to, should we do a master something next week? Yeah. That's a pretty big, big event. We might as well do something. Yeah. There you go. You, uh, you convinced us B Thompson. We'll be talking masters and we will bring back the hit segment where Brian and I build a, a golf lineup that is so atrocious the people in the chat can barely stand to look at it. But only if Trump wins Georgia. If he doesn't, we're not doing it. Okay. Yes, there, there's all these uh, domino effects thing. Um, David Stewart thinks he's on to you. Brick gets limited everywhere, then starts tout site, makes millions. Is that in the cards, Brian? I don't know. I listened to that uh, Bet the Process podcast. Oh, I wanted to talk about that. Well, I can't remember that dude's name, but he just went off. On, it's like uh, Seth Jeff. Byrne, I want to say. Like he yeah. went on Jeff and uh, Rufus uh, about even even uh, commiserating with someone who sold picks once when they were 18 or something. Yeah, so for those of you guys who don't know, Bet the Process, uh, good uh, sports gambling pod uh, with Rufus Peabody and is it Jeff Ma, I believe? Jeff Ma. Yeah. yeah. 
And so they had this guest on who, as I understand it, is from the the seedy underground of sports gambling, the righteous prognosticators that only provide data and never give an opinion. It's a place called Seville, apparently, this subversive Twitter list known as Seville. And this guy, Seth, just absolutely roasted Jeff and Rufus for just even thinking about commiserating with someone who had ever sold picks. They were literally like the guy was 18 years old uh, when he last sold a pick. So I was laughing, Brian, because I was thinking, what do you think this guy would think about some of the guests we've had on here? Oh, <laughs> you think he'd, he'd love our Chris Randone spot? <laughs> well, I was thinking we had, we, we, we tried, we had a, uh, a, a verbal agreement from cash out King before everything went under. I mean, we, but we, we assumed he was a, a fraud and we were going to try to play with him. Uh, I guess we could say that now, right? Uh, yeah, I have no idea where where Cash Out King is. Um, yeah, that. Uh, yeah, he. This guy would not. Have, he wouldn't have uh, been happy. He would not have been happy with our booking practices. And it was like, you know, the interesting part. He was like scrutinizing their own personal motivations for doing this podcast. And it's like, yeah, you. you it, for, at some fucking level, you do this shit for. Yeah. You're providing an entertainment product. All of this at the end of the day is a fucking entertainment product. So yeah, you're going to bring on people who you think are entertaining or, and his point too is like, well, what are you, what are you doing? Are you trying to provide a service? Are you supposed to be educational? It's like, well, you can be educational, but it's still under the umbrella of entertainment. (laughs) Like I just didn't understand his like claims against a podcast, not having altruistic motives or whatever. Yeah, his his righteous uh, in, indignation throughout that second half was was disturbing. I thought they were way too agreeable with him. By yeah. the way, like Jeff especially was like, "Well, no, he's got a good point. He's got a good point." It's like, like you know, Jeff, you're the biggest piece of shit of all time. He's like, "Hold on, hear him out." <laughs> <laughs> I know he was doing. There's, I think there's a weird psychological phenomenon of when you have a guest on. generally you're trying to serve that guest you're trying to you know you invite on they're doing you a favor by coming on your show and i think jeff's like just lizard brain like i'm a good podcast host like kicked into where he was so agreeable it's like no no no. this guy is like shitting on the very concept of what you're doing here you know you know oddly enough i think he's like the extreme level of what me and you were kind of dming about our own personal flaws a couple days ago about like two two cool for school like you know don't sell out you gotta be really careful of, you know like a- any sort of promoting yourself or stuff like that i think he's like the extreme of that of like of like um you know any sort of like attempt to promote yourself or profits profits are evil that type of thing and, and like and he's just so hyper focused on uh, sports betting that like that's just the thing he knows most about and so he could see the wrongs and the rights so crystal clear he was also like black and white uh like like to like almost like a personality disorder in my opinion like like he was very black or white on on on, on everything he was criticizing them on like no nuance at all like like with with he criticized jeff on the uh sloan sports uh analytics conference that he was a host for like a couple of the segments and they're still on YouTube, I think. And he had like William Hill's CEO on there and the William, William Hill is like the sports betters, I guess, hate them because they, they always ban them and limit them. And they've had like some 
practices of like fun, some funny business with live lines, accepting them when the line moves and denying it when the line moves the other way. And they claim that they take any bets and stuff like that. And no one challenges them that they don't do that. But like, like, okay. So like, what, like if you're an employee somewhere and like you, you, like you've agreed to host this event and, you know, get paid, like you have some obligation to the, the, the hosts who are paying you too. You can't just berate their, their invitees, you know, whenever you disagree with something they do, like you've agreed to be the host of this event. So it's like, it's, it's almost the exact opposite could be argued that he would be doing an injustice to a multitude of other people that he likes by going super hard here. Yeah. And I think you totally, because you can go on and have productive, hard conversations about issues that maybe people would skirt around of, Hey, you are too buddy, buddy with these type of people. And I, I feel like your integrity has taken a hit because of it, of how you're viewed or whatever those kind of hard prompts are. But when you take that rigid line, like to me, uh, like, uh, I think I have a, I feel weird saying this. I feel like I have a good, uh, emotional intelligence. Like, I feel like he was just telling on himself of his own insecurities of like, these guys have found a way to do like a fun educational sports betting podcast. And I'm jealous of their success and that they are actually able to toe the line. They are able to be stand-up guys that care about the issues and stuff, but also have fun and do entertainment and provide value in other ways. And it, to me, it just felt like I am so jealous of what you guys are doing here. So I'm just going to attack this one random part of it. That's how it felt to me. He had to go on there with that intent of, to attack them because oh, of course. if he didn't, then he's contributing to two people who he thinks are net negatives. So then he's, he's platforming them. He's helping their platform. Right. So he had to go on there. With that, like, I'm interested, like, like on why he thinks selling picks is so awful. Like, you know, my take on it. Like, Free market. Yeah. Well, I mean, adults should assess their own risk. Like, we don't have to handhold and bring in, especially legislators to 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 go after these things. But like, you know, like like other civil liberties things that I I agree with, like that I want, like legalized drugs. Right. Like, I wonder what where he stands on some things like that. And, um, you know, like prostitution or something like that, where like you could have an opinion where you disagree with somebody. So let's just say drugs, for example, Like you could say that I think Pete should do whatever he wants with his body as long as it doesn't hurt anybody else. But I myself wouldn't do that or something like that. You know what I mean? Or I wouldn't want that person in my life or I would my children want my children to have that um, that profession. But I still don't think we should be getting involved in other people's who we do, who do want to do those those things. And so, like for selling picks, like maybe and like the people he, that he was shitting on are like winning players, supposedly, right? Like well-known winning players now. So, like, what would be wrong about a winning player selling a pick? What would he think about Alex Baker or? Fantasy Labs. Well, I guess I bet Fantasy Labs he hates. Not Fantasy Labs, the other action network. I bet he would draw a distinction between providing tools and projections in numbers and letting people interpret them the way they want. Um, that said, a lot of the sites do both, right? Like I, I, I now, what I use is I use other people's projections and ownership and I use the tools yeah. 
that they provide. I don't, I don't, I never tail someone's individual play or pick anymore, but these sites still offer that because there's such a demand. Like we did the show on my channel on Friday and we're talking about overall DFS theory and we still get lots of comments of who to play this week or you can't play this guy, you can't play a jet, you can't play Naheem Hyatt, you know, like yeah. there's still like the market still craves that kind of stuff. So I, I wonder if he would make the distinction that he's okay if you're providing tools but the idea of selling a pick specifically, that's what he's against. Yeah, that's that's stupid to me for sure. Especially if you're if it's a good pick. And even if it isn't, it's none of your fucking business, superstar. But like um maybe somebody just wants a a, a sweat that's not as bad as their shitty opinion. And so like they'll be like, oh, okay, this guy's you know a two cents negative better, but who cares? It's better than me. I'm five cents negative. So, yeah. like, I'll throw a few bones his way. And, by the way, if DFS wasn't so complicated, right, with picking players and having GPP theory, game theory and stuff like that, it would be exactly the same. It would be exactly well, the same. It, it would be like over-under bets. That, that's, it's basically exact same things over-under bets. So, so uh, just to play, like, devil's advocate on this thing, I, I'm the same as you. I don't have any problem fundamentally with someone selling picks if they're if people want to do that. That yeah. said, my guess is what happens a lot of times with those, and let's use the Vegas Dave example or whatever, is that they're they're actually lying or manipulating whether it's their own record or they're you know showcasing the wins and not all the losses, whatever kind of subterfuge goes on there. I'm guessing that's ultimately what they're pushing back against, as opposed to just the act of selling picks by itself. Okay, well, uh, taking that extreme example, like aside maybe for a second like um if you uh so, so what was the first part there because i want to respond to the vegas daves secondly oh i was saying like this idea of they're selling picks and like if i sell picks and i just post my record very matter of fact like it's just yeah. completely i don't see what's wrong with that but i think a lot of people the connotation like pick selling is a pejorative yeah, yeah, yeah so i was thinking about the dr dre headphones or whatever yeah so Beats like dre, yeah Beats by Dre, and, and I don't know shit about this, but th this was an article I read years ago. They he, they were selling for like three or five hundred bucks, but they were they cost the same as a shitty ten pair. It was just it was just because it had Dre's branding name yeah. on it, branding on it, that they were selling it for three hundred bucks. And eventually, he sold that company, you know, for tons of money. It's like, is that should that be a crime punishable by whatever this 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 maniac wants to do to tout to to uh to to um pick sellers. I don't so in that, in my analogy for that, mm -hmm. it would be beats by Dre instead of in the tech specs enlisting the exact quality materials. They were saying this is, these are gold plated or these have a lifetime warranty, but it doesn't actually have a lifetime warranty. Like that yeah. overt lies surrounding it. Yeah. I mean, so yeah, I think that, that outright fraud, it, it could be a crime, uh, you know, a punishable crime outright fraud but i don't think how that i don't see how that is like anything specific to sports betting right like it, it if you just if you just outright lie on a product then yeah if you say like i have a warranty and you don't like that can be a class a civil a civil uh, lawsuit mm -hmm. so like maybe vegas dave could be sued I think that's a real concrete example that that warranty example. I don't think he goes that far. Yeah. Um, lying about, hmm. and also like if you get into these like um, 
these these stock touts too. Like a lot of them are doing real similar shit to Vegas Dave, but then they just put up not a not a professional, right? And then that's supposed to make it all all better. So like it doesn't really make it all better, it just makes it legal that you can't get sued. But I but I don't give a shit. If you want to tail um <laughs> if you want to tail uh uh Portnoy, that's your that's your fucking prerogative. And and out and I'd be happy to talk to Dave Portnoy, right? Like, who gives a shit? Um, I, I, I it, it's if 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 it's some sort of like civil actionable fraud or something, of course, that person should be able to be be sued. But everything else is like, chill, chill out, buddy. Calm down. You're not the like. I think a lot of this stuff that I'm pushing back against for touts and selling picks and stuff like that. Is like people get get righteous in these industries that they know a lot about. So like if you were a construction expert, you'd be like, oh, you wouldn't believe the shit that goes on here. You know what I mean? And it's like we got to stop this, this, and this. And they just know a lot about it. Yeah. And so they so you could go on Twitter and be like, this guy's bad. It's like no shit, no <laughs> shit, Sherlock. You uh, you don't think Portnoy is giving you great stock tips? You don't think? Um, Vegas Dave's bullshit. It's like you're you're really you're really you're like an abolitionist. You're so brave, you know. Like it's funny too because I've had that happen when like I, I remember a long time ago, Jay Caspian King wrote one of the first articles in the New York Times about DFS. It was when the industry had started to blow. And like since I was familiar with the industry, like you know every other paragraph, I'm like, no, this is wrong. This is misconstruing it. This is not actually portraying what goes on and all this. And then I'm like, how many articles do I read on paper of record like the New York Times and just shit just completely goes over my head that someone that's an expert in that field reads that and goes, that's bullshit. That's a fabrication. That's the Gelman amnesia effect, right? Okay, there's a name for it. Yeah, the Gelman amnesia effect. Um, uh, Michael Crichton, the writer, uh, came up with that. And... um, there's a physicist Gelman, I can't remember his first name, who he like based the theory off of. And it's because he was an expert in a few things, Crichton. And when he would read an article that was he was an expert on, he said they would get it so backward. It was like he, he would call them um, the street made the rain wet. Right. They were just completely backward. And then he would change the page and the next article would be about the Middle East or something that he wasn't an expert on. And he'd read it like it was the Bible. And he's like, the only, the only excuse for this is that you get amnesia. And that, and that happens all, all the fucking time. He, he was actually kind of an interesting guy. He had another, another interesting story. He was in, I think he went to Harvard and um, he was in uh, English major and he thought his professor hated him. And he went, and cause he kept giving him B's instead of A's. And there was a assignment that was exactly like um, uh, an Orson, uh, an Orwell uh, essay that he he had read once and so he just turned in the orwell essay and changed his name and put his name on there and the teacher still gave him a b <laughs> and he just so he switched majors yeah he's like i can't get a, get around this guy in this major he's too he's too important he didn't get caught either so crazy crazy um yeah let's see am i missing any oh someone had asked a question uh is listing core plays essentially selling picks? I mean, it's all semantics, but what is your thought? 
Um, I mean, I yeah, I, I think it's all semantics. I think a, like your typical DFS site is basically selling picks. They're they're pretty good though. I mean, the, the, I guess it depends. The um, selling stat like stat projections is definitely selling picks because you can use that for props. It's almost like apples for apples right there. Yeah. So yeah, I think I think it is selling picks. I don't think selling picks is that big of a deal. Another thing about the touts th- thing that I'm noticing now is like since I got limited or whatever, it's like um maybe I don't want to like go through all the lengths of putting together a syndicate or just keep hopping around from book to book and now I got to go to a offshore book. Maybe I'd rather just sell them. Yeah. You know, I'm not going to I'm not I'm not thinking about doing that. I'm just saying like I can understand why somebody somebody would rather just sell their picks than than do the work. And they mentioned Dr. Bob in there and I guess like he used to win but he doesn't win anymore or something. Maybe he did turn into a scam. I don't I don't know the whole deal on there. Um but it's probably hard to it's probably hard to keep motivated without actually being a sports better. You know, this kind of goes full circle to this idea of, you know, players, uh, you know, there's generally the tool, the two schools of thought, right. Where they say you become a tout because um, you can't make money on your own. You you don't trust yourself enough to be long-term profitable. So you're going to sell or whatever. And I think there's this other element to it. And maybe I'm being naive. Maybe I'm being generous to people, but it goes back to that thing with why are Rufus and Jeff Ma doing the podcast? Ultimate, why are we doing this podcast? We like the community aspect of it. It is fun. It is not fun if we were just in our own caves all week, looking at spreadsheets, doing lineups, not talking about them, not sweating them with anyone, not talking strategy about a game, not interacting with the chat. That's fucking fun. Like people like community. People like being a part of things. And I think there's that element too. Like, sure, some people are wanting to build businesses, but I bet a lot of people who have tout sites, they like interacting and helping people. For sure. And that makes me think of a couple more things too. It goes along with this, this whole trying to get out of like the too cool for school stuff is like, it's like, it's okay to want to be recognized. Like, I think that's okay. Like, I think we were taught it wasn't like, it's okay to want to be recognized a little bit. It's okay to like, want to be recognized for doing, being good at something. It's okay to want to have people watch your fucking show. Like that's the whole point you're doing it. Like it's okay to want an audience. It's okay to make a profit. You know, it's okay to, do whatever the fuck you want as long as it's not hurting anybody else, basically. But uh, I mean, some things I would I would say are more morally questionable. But I think a lot of this is just being socialized, socialized this way since we were kids to like to like look for that, look for that. Oh my god, that guy's selling something. That guy's selling something. Everyone, he's selling something. What's he up to? If he's selling something, it's got to be bad because he's got to make a profit, which means you're going to lose out. So only one person can win in, in these transactions, which is completely wrong. Both people can profit from a transaction, and it happens fucking constantly. And that's exactly how this the Western world has grown over the last 150 years. As a non-zero-sum game. Yeah, for sure. The division of labor, all sorts of you know economic terms that have kind of like gone the way – of, of of our recent society and i was i was definitely socialized that way uh 
growing up to to like not want to put myself out there or sell anything or um you know there's like some acceptable things like you could sell a book maybe you know but like you certainly can't sell pics yeah like that i would never in me then what you're getting into there is is there a level of trust you know like are are if if we all of a sudden partnered with some just shitty or you know shady offshore book we would destroy whatever trust that our listeners had in us but i'm guessing that most of us would if we went and sold shirts if we got yeah. some shirts made and they would they would trust us to give them a good product and they would probably even enjoy buying a little shirt. So I think it also goes to like, what type of thing are you selling and are you risking the trust that you've built up? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Uh, yeah. Everything is, is uh, subject to some sort of interpretation. Like, yeah, I don't know if we would uh, like get sponsored by fantasy aces or something and like, no, this time they're going to be good. <laughs> This is a good time to mention. Please use promo code LOLS when you're depositing on Monkey Knife Fight. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right, guys. There was someone in the chat asking a correlation DFS question. I'm sorry, man. We're not we're not getting to that stuff today. But if you leave it in the comments on uh, Brian's channel or my channel, uh, I'm sure we will circle back and try to help you out with that. Uh, Brian, any other uh, final words as we wrap this up? Um, no, hopefully Trump wins Georgia so I can get a couple extra shekels. Actually, <laughs> someone in the chat had a question that I actually had as well. What? Brick, are you a mullet guy, business in the front, party in the back? Because I have started to see a little bit peeking out <laughs> over there. I'm a shaved head guy who just hasn't gone to the bubber in, or in months. Yeah, there you go. I was because I was like, is this a conscious thing? Because like whenever you do profile, I'm like, oh man, he's rocking it back there. He's getting out there. I gotta go. I gotta go this week. I should go tomorrow. There you go. Yeah, there you go. I'll be shaved head from here on out, buddy. Sorry. And I, I should also mention too, if you guys happen to miss it, and I know because uh Hawk was asking about DFS stuff, Brian and I did a show on my channel on Friday. And uh, the link to my channel is in, in Brian's show notes here if you're watching on YouTube. And I would say that that show's like 90% evergreen. Like it wasn't just about week eight. You know, there's so much stuff in there that I think you can apply some of those principles uh, going forward and as far as you think about stuff. So definitely check that out if you happen to miss that on Friday. Brian also has, you'll hear Brian reference it sometimes. I mean, he has a whole library of evergreen videos on his channel about some of these core DFS concepts. Um, I've actually bookmarked a few that I want to go back and rewatch here soon as well. So definitely take advantage of some of those uh, evergreen resources. Uh, if you guys want to subscribe to this in audio form, we are on all of those uh, podcast platforms. We got the link below as well. Subscribe to the channel, hit the like button for Brian Hooper. I'm Peter Overzet. When we're back next week, maybe we will have the results of the election finalized. Maybe. See you guys next time.
Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.